I want you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 35. Just go ahead and start making your way there. I do want to tell you what I have a sense of today before I get to ministering the word. <clears throat> I have this feeling today that there have been generational things that some of you have watched happen in your family. And it's almost like people, just, just like we want people to get caught in the wave of the sin, it's like you have been influenced by the wave of sin or proclivity toward a particular type of sin in your family. I don't know what it is, but it's pushing you, it's pulling you. It may be always being offended. It may be always, it may be, it may be some type of an addiction. It may be something that destroys marriages. It may be something that comes against the mind, but it's always this constant proclivity toward this one thing, especially as it relates to sin issues. And God's not here to beat you up today. I have this keen sense today that generational things that Satan has held families on them, today, ma'am, you are the one that's going to break it today. <laughs> Sir, I have this strong feeling that today you're the one that's gonna break that cycle off of your family. I have, I have this awareness of this today. So I, I say if God's doing it, why don't we just take it, amen? All right, so how many of you been enjoying the Oasis? I've been loving it. I have been absolutely loving it. And so those of you that are just now getting on the on-ramp of this series, you really need to listen to the whole context of what's happening in Isaiah. Now remember, Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament is looking forward to what he prophesied about Messiah, Jesus Christ, and what he would do for Israel. But now we are looking backwards to not what he's going to do. How many know Messiah Jesus has come and there are things he has already done for us that we need to walk into? It's not do, 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 it's done, done, done. And he's already done those things and we're looking back to it, to what he has. Now, when Isaiah was talking this, he told Israel, judgment is coming. They were in judgment. Enemies were taking him. They're going to be in exile. But he said, what's going to happen is Jesus, the Messiah, they were looking just toward national patriotism, fix our economy, fix our political system, get us a better king. He's saying, you're missing it. What you need to be looking for is Messiah because when he comes, the desert that is dry, that is parched, is going to rejoice and be glad and there's gonna be praise because of when Jesus comes. So we first taught about Jesus is our praise. Then he says, then when he comes, he will strengthen your tired hands. He will restore your weak knees. He says, say to the fearful, be strong. Be strong in this desert and don't fear because God is crushing your enemy, Satan. He's the one behind all these things. He's going to crush them and he says, so don't fear. So we found out that Jesus was your peace. God's already got this. Jesus already took care of this. Amen? And then he says, when he comes, he's going to restore 
blind eyes. He's going to heal the blind eyes. He said the deaf will begin to hear. The lame will begin, to, uh, will, begin to will begin to leap. And what he's saying is Jesus is not just your praise and your peace, but he is your physician. How many know by his stripes? Isaiah said, you are healed. But First Peter looks back and he says, by his stripes, I'm looking back, you were healed. Jesus took care of it. That's why he is your healer. And then he said, then you're going to see springs. Jesus is going to be like a spring that gushes up out of the wilderness in the oasis. He said, it's going to be like living water, which was the picture, rivers and streams were the picture of the power of the Holy Spirit inside of the believer that was inside of Jesus is inside of you. And it's going to gush forth. He's going to be that. And how many know they were looking forward to it? How many know on the day of Pentecost, he looked back and he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in your last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on A-double-L, all, all, all flesh, sons and daughters, young and old. How many thank God? He is our Holy Spirit advocate, which is our paraclete. Amen? So now, Isaiah is looking forward now in verse 8 to what Jesus would do. Okay, you ready for this? Because these folks were in deep trouble. He says, and a great road will go through that once deserted land. So the desert becomes an oasis. Now he's going to build a road there. Now watch it. It will be named the Highway of Holiness. Oh, my, 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 my. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. They don't get on this road. It will be only for those who what? Everybody say that word. Walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Let me tell you what we're having a picture of. It's entrance into eternal life with Jesus. Sin and evil will never, ever be on that highway. Lions will not lurk along its course. Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking who may devour. Not on this road. Uh-uh. He no longer is tolerated to come against, to destroy those who walk on this highway. There will be no other dangers. Only, only the redeemed will what? Walk on it. Those who have been ransomed, here it is, by the Lord will return. This is talking about when we actually enter into the presence of God. He says, they will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. Let me just tell you something. I'm not waiting until heaven to get my joy and gladness. I'm already on this highway. How many thank God there is joy in the house of God? There's joy in the midst of sorrow. In the middle of pain, you can experience his promise. Now, let me just show you this. He said, it's a highway of holiness. Now, let me talk to you about these roads. Now, what has happened at this point is the Assyrians have ravaged the land. The prophecies are coming fulfilled. They're being exiled. They're being taken out of the country. There are a few Jews left to remain, the poor ones, to take care of things. But what's happened is, is they have destroyed the crops. They've ravaged the land. And what happened actually where the highways that those people used to walk on are now extremely unsafe to travel. They feared to get on these roads. 
Think about that for a moment. They feared to get on these roads. So in that context, he's saying there's a road God's gonna make that you're gonna fear because the enemy's taken over and you're gonna get devoured. You just better stay put and not do anything. The enemy's coming to ravage you. But he said there's one coming that's building a new highway and evil will not prevail there. Satan cannot prevail on this throne and only those redeemed and walk in his ways are able to be blessed on this highway. So what, are they, what is he saying? He's saying, when the Lord ransoms you, who's he talking about? He's talking about Messiah. He's talking about Jesus Christ, the one who comes to you and to Sam Reifkogel and says, I invite you to get on the on-ramp of my highway of holiness, my highway of purity that leads to my kingdom blessing now and to eternal blessing with me forever that will never cease. Sam, I invite you to get on the on-ramp of my purity. So guess what, Jesus, you're going, purity, oh, holiness, oh, no, no. I'm checking out today, purity, holiness, they're just not my thing, Pastor. I'm far from it, aren't we all? You're in good company today. I know we look all cleaned up, we're shouting, lifting our hands, but I'm going to tell you, there's only one that's pure, and his name is Jesus. Sam Reifkogel cannot do holy. Sam Reifkogel can only do hungry. Whatever I get hungry for, you take care of hungry for God. God is the only one who can do holy, and that's why he sent Jesus, because you can't do purity, and you can't do holy. He's the only one that did holy and purity for you. How many thank God? So we used to get in church and go, what I want is a holiness church. Y'all remember holiness. Boy, you better not have a television. That one-eyed demon. <laughs> remember that? That's like the pastor got up and he says, I tell you what, my family and I, we have made a decision. You know, we're just, we're just, we decided to put that TV in the closet. It's not going to control us. His wife leaned over and says, yeah, it's in the closet, boy, she sure, and it sure, gets, it sure gets tough with all of us fitting into that closet, let me tell you. I mean, people used to just act like, you know, holiness was something that you wore, it was clothes, it was, you didn't have any makeup on your face. I remember in church, boy, the sisters used to get upset because the girls had red lipstick on and the Jezebel spirit was on them. And, and, Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, they used to get bent out of shape over lipstick. I'm going, really? Makeup? I thank God for the old preacher that came to our church and straightened us all out. He says, girls, if the barn needs painting, paint it. Just put some paint on the barn. It's okay. Paint the barn. Paint the barn. Paint yourself a little bit. We couldn't go out for sports. Wasn't holy. Friends, you can't do purity. You can't do holiness. That's why Jesus came. He is the only one that can do holy. He is the only one that can be holy for Sam Rifko. I just need to be walking in his ways of holiness that he has already prepared for me. Mm. So look, well, they're talking about these highways. They're, these, it's resonating with these people. Because even during this time for Israel and even the, the, the neighboring foreign countries, there were highways that were only made for kings and dignitaries. Ordinary people like you and me couldn't get on it. They had to stay on the back roads, the rough roads, but kings would have it for purposes of security, for a better comfortable ride, and only kings could get on it. 
And Jesus is saying, not only is it ravaged, but he says only these kings and these dignitaries say, we're only the ones that are able to be on these highways. You stay off. You take the back roads. But he says, but when I, the king of kings, dies on that cross, he says, I invite you to get on the on-ramp. You can get on my highway of blessing. You can have my comfort. You can have my strength. You can have my peace. When Jesus comes, how many, thank God, we hopped on the highway to holiness. Amen. He did it already. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that when we talk about holiness and purity, it's how hungry you are for the things of God. God will take care of holy, you take care of hungry. Because those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. See, holiness and purity does not come from me, it does not come from us, it only comes from Jesus Christ. I love what Colossians 1.13 says, oh, don't love, I love the word. He said, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Let me tell you something, friends. Jesus Christ already paid it all for every sin and stain that Sam Reifkogel has. Sam Reifkogel just needs to align with what he did on the cross and walk in his ways. It is done. So those of you that are living in the despair of your past sins, you don't have to do it anymore. He already did it. Just start walking in his ways and what he said. Amen? There's something he keeps talking about, this walking. So how do we walk on this highway of purity, this highway of holiness. This, it's the highway of blessing. It's the high, highway of favor. It's, it's, it's the highway of eternal life. When you say holiness, you gotta understand, everything that he made that highway for leads to something better in your life. So how do we walk this? I love this passage of scripture in, Isaiah, uh, in Psalm chapter one that talks about how do we walk. And so I want you to look at something. The first thing you say, pastor, how do I walk in his ways? Let me give you a couple of things. Number one, separate from the world. You're in it, but you don't have to be of it. Its worldview doesn't have to affect you. Your godly worldview can affect and influence it. You gotta separate from the world. Separate from the world. Now, now let me show you what Psalm 1 says. Look at this. How blessed is the man, or by inference the woman as well. How blessed is the man who does not what? Walk. In the counsel of the wicked, nor stand, circle those things, get your app out and, and just start circling those things and, you, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I love the app, by the way. I was using it the other day. Uh, you know, on, on Thrives, I get to be fed by other pastors that are teaching as well. And I didn't realize how great the app notes were until I went to Thrive. Do you realize over almost 14,000 people have downloaded the Grand Rapids First app? And uh, I just tell you, I just now I'm starting to figure out that it's got some great stuff in it. It's kind of like Jesus. You've been following for so long, you just know all this great stuff was in him until you start learning about it. That was free. <laughs> nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers. Now watch this. He said, how blessed. Everybody say Blessed. That word blessed, listen to this, the highway of his holiness, the highway of God's ways are blessed. There's so much favor he wants to bring to you. 
It's not about you just doing right and say, don't do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. You gotta make sure, make sure you get all this together, make sure you're tithe, make sure you attend church. Oh, you came in late. We're gonna deduct something off of your eternal reward. You came in 10 minutes late. You didn't pray this morning. No, listen closely to me for a second. That word, when I walk in his ways, there's blessing. And in the Hebrew, that word blessed was a plural word, not a singular word. It was a plural word. In fact, that word blessed has a multiplicity of blessings that come with it. In fact, the word blessed there actually means, you ready for this? In the Hebrew, it actually means joy, peace, prosperity, success, deliverance, salvation. And there are a lot of other words attached to it. So when he says, when you walk the highway of God's ways, his holiness and desire and hunger after his holiness, guess what? He says, joy is on that highway. Peace is on that highway. Prosperity is on that highway. Your success in life is on that highway. Deliverance for your addictions on that highway. Salvation through Jesus Christ, the one who redeemed you, is on that highway. How many of you, thank God, stay on the highway? But he says, it's about this walk. So let me ask you, how are you walking? Now watch this. Notice the progression of something. It says walk, stand, sit. Walk, stand, sit. This seems to suggest that there is this progression of turning someone's attention away to start going the wrong direction. I don't think any believer falls into sin. I don't think we ever wake up saying, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I just want to get high as a believer, I just, I just don't care about my morals, man. Just do what you want. My, I don't think anybody wakes up like that. I think what this is is that we need to understand that he says the blessing of God, we get distracted when we start walking, standing, sitting. It's a progression to start turning away. Let, let, let me just kind of break it down a little bit for you, can I? When it talks about walk, he says those who walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I think walking speaks of direction. It speaks of direction. Anytime I'm walking to something, I am leaving something. I can be over here with Brenda, but if I want to get to Pastor Tim, I have to leave Brenda to get to this. So walking always speaks of direction. And he says, some of us who are blessed don't even realize it, but we're turning to ungodly counsel that is going the opposite direction of what God has intended for you for favor. My question is to our culture, I know we can sit in church, and I don't want to be legalistic because legalism was the blight of Pentecostals. It never helped them. But to understand the favor and the blessing of God, he says, don't walk in the counsel of the godly because when you walk in the counsel of the godly, you are walking from something else. If you're listening to the counsel of God, then you're walking away from something else. Never kid yourself. People say, well, the music I listen to, man, I'm not listening to the lyrics anyway. He says the moment that you start having this, that you start walking away from listening to God to other things, it is affecting you. Don't live deluded. Don't live deluded. It seems like now that man or that woman in the break room at your workplace seems to have greater attention to the needs of you and your family than your own spouse does. And you're starting to listen and say, they understand me better than the person I'm married to. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. You know, my parents just, you know, they go to church and they're just a bunch of religious 
Bible-thumping, religious, right-wing rednecks. My parents don't know nothing. I can't wait to get out of the house. When you're walking away from something, walking towards something, you're walking away from something else. Believers, I'm telling you, this is why it's so important. Be careful what you put through your eye gate and what you ear gate, what you see and what you hear. I'm serious. Believers, get out of the horoscopes. Renounce that stuff. Say, Jesus, forgive me for getting into horoscopes. You told me I could get on your highway of holiness and you'd lead me, you'd guide me. I do not need a horoscope. Renounce that stuff by the blood of Jesus. If you messed with Ouija boards and garbage like that, you renounce that stuff in the name of Jesus. You speak the blood of Jesus, ask him to forgive you. Walk away from that stuff because maybe sometimes the reason why God doesn't give you direction is because you went and sought a fortune teller. You went and sought something else to give you the direction in life. He says, not the counsel of the godly. Walk away from it. Walk away from it. I don't know why I'm hitting horoscopes and tarot cards and stuff, but there's some of us dabbling in that stuff, and you will not get the direction of God. Renounce that by the blood of Jesus and watch God put you on the highway where you're starting to get clear direction. I'm telling you, some of us are listening to podcasts of some of those ungodly things. We're listening to celebrities right now that we're going, I'm going, my word, why would you make that celebrity more important than Jesus Christ? We're influenced by movies and music. And I'm not trying to tell you to go bunker down and go hide and you can't go to a movie. Come, I'm not telling you that. But I'm telling you that God has given you and me the Holy Spirit in us. And there's something that sparks in us that we need to say, you know what? I need to walk away from this conversation. You know what? I think we need to leave this movie. I, you know, I think, I, I really think that I need to start monitoring the way this relationship is headed here. Because God says what you listen to will affect you. What you see will affect you. And he says, don't listen to the counsel of the ungodly. Well, here's the deal about the word ungodly. The word un doesn't mean that they're just demon-possessed, you know, coming out, you know, speaking out. That's not what it's talking about. The word un there is the word not. It's just the word not. It's the word not godly. And here's the deal. Most of those people that we hang with are not anti-God. I've watched celebrities. I've watched people that have raised up high in fame. God bless America. Thank you, God. Point their finger toward heaven. And I mean, they're living in just the most ungodly lifestyle. You know why? Because they're not anti-God. It's not that they're not anti, it's not that they're, they're not anti-God, they're just not God. They're just not gonna do the things of God. There's no room for God in my life. There's no room for, now, I'm gonna take God when, 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 it, when it comes time for my Uncle Willard's death and I'm gonna quote the 23rd Psalm and I believe there's a God and somehow there's this big, you know, celestial being out there some way. They're not anti-God, they just don't want God to come into this area of their life. Maybe it's their financial life, maybe it's their sex life, maybe it's their marriage life, maybe it's their business life. They just don't want God in this area. They're not anti-God. I just don't want God and he doesn't have room in this particular area. And here's what I've discovered about folks like that. Don't go to the unknowing for knowledge. Don't be asking your best friend how to pick a boyfriend when that person is living so godless and changes boyfriends like they change clothes. Seriously, why do, we go to the why do we go to the unknowing for knowledge? 
They couldn't make their own finances work, but they're going to tell you how you ought to treat your money. You give that much money to the work of God? Man, those people just want your money. Yes, we do. I mean, what's the big revelation here? We want your money. Everybody wants your money. Did you notice that? Did you know you didn't just go through Taco Bell and say, that's all you people wants my money. Give me my burrito. They want your money for that burrito. Everybody wants your money. iTunes wants your money. Everybody wants your money. And God says you gotta determine, is that money yours? Or are you gonna put God in it or ungod that money? What are you gonna do with it? What are you gonna do with it? I would not consult somebody who can't make their own money work to tell me what to do with my money. I will not ask someone who will not work hard on their own marriage and get God's direction to work on my marriage. God says, come to the counsel of God. And if you're turning away to listen to them or be influenced by them, you're walking away from him. He says, do not walk in the counsel of the godly. When you go the direction of the world's wisdom, you forsake godly wisdom, and now you're under their influence. So he said it starts with not just going wheels off into something. It means I'm just starting to walk that direction. It's not that I don't believe in God. I just don't want him here in this issue of my life I'm dealing with. But he says it's a progression. You don't just walk. He says then you start standing in the paths of sinners. Now, the other ones spoke about direction. This one, standing, speaks of identification. That now you identify with the ungodly. You move from consulting where now their influence, you're not influenced. This doesn't mean we isolate from the world. My Lord, who are we going to bring to Jesus if we isolate from the world? Listen, I don't expect you to live isolated, but I do expect you to live insulated. insulated by God's word. He says, what happens is you start moving from consulting with the ungodly to now identifying with the ungodly. Now, let me tell you what this means. This means is you no longer challenge their ungodly viewpoint. You don't even say in a kind way to oppose it or to challenge it. And now what you're doing is you're actually embracing it. Can I tell you the church culture has actually done that right now? Where now you actually affirm it, you say it's the word of God, and now you don't even challenge, oh, 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 believe me, I know it well. Because when you say it, you're a hater. So I can't ever disagree with you, because if I ever disagree with you, then I'm a hater. And God forbid someone who follows Jesus be considered a hater. Jesus said, he was a rock of offense. It doesn't mean I wake up in the morning and say, let me see who I can pick on this morning. Let me see if I can find some sinner to tell them you're designated for hell. No, friends. God expects us to have the kindest, the care, the compassion, and actually a weeping in our soul because we know exactly how this turns out. Do you even have that anymore for them? Because you will, you will reach out to them. But it doesn't mean that you change your viewpoint. See, instead, we don't walk back to where we should be in the word. We actually stand where they stand, and we identify with the position. 
Friends, let me tell you, there's only one position that I am interested in. Only one. It's not my wife's. It's not yours. It's not my kids. There's only one position I am interested in, and it is what does God say to me in his word? What is his Holy Spirit? There's only one viewpoint that I want to have. The only viewpoint I want is the viewpoint of what does God's word say? That's the only thing that matters, friends. How many believe, folks, we need to be influencing instead of now standing in identification with it? You say you're too hard. Could I challenge you for a second and say maybe you've gotten too soft? Because there are things I got soft on and God says, you circle back, son. This is my word. Walk ye in it. See, because he said it's a progression. He says the next thing you know, you're sitting in the seat of the scornful. And what does sitting speak about? Sitting, it's not staying. Now we're sitting. Sitting speaks of... There's a chair that I love to sit in in my house. It's upstairs. That's my chair. I love Moses. Even Moses the dog doesn't get in that chair. Because when I sit in that chair, I relax. I read, have my cup of coffee. Sitting now speaks of relaxation. It means that I've now landed on a position where I absolutely feel comfortable. In fact, I do not even feel conviction any longer. I am so rested in it now. He says, and once you start sitting in that place with the scornful, they start scoffing. And now they begin to mock everything that you used to know truthful from the word of God as you walked on that highway. You've no longer separated. You now walk alongside of them. And now you're now being influenced with identity. And now you even find yourself mocking the very things of God. And that's why Proverbs 14.9 says, fools mock at sin. But among the upright, there will be what, everybody? Goodwill. Do you know what goodwill means there? It means favor. The word good there means there will be favor on them. It will be well with them. How many thank God? We're going to walk in the ways of God on that highway. Amen? <laughs> Separate from the world. Now, you say, Pastor, I see what I, what I, what I shouldn't do to, to get off that highway. What should I do to stay on that highway? Stay in the word. Just I can make it simple. Just stay in the word. Let's go back, let's go back to Psalm 1 and verse 2. Don't walk that way. Don't stand that way. Don't sit that way. But here it is. But his delight or her delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And his law, and in his law, he, everybody say meditates. Meditates day and night. The word meditate there is actually, when you study, is the word ruminate. And you've heard me use this before, but it's really a good analogy. You know, a cow has several stomachs. It'll eat the food and it will ruminate. It means that it will ruminate and he regurgitates it, chew it up again, swallows again, throws it up again, chews it up again, swallows it, it gives him energy, it gives him strength. This is what God is saying with the word. It should go into you, come back up out of you. It should go into you, come back out of you. It means you're actually studying, you're looking, you're thinking deep about the word of God. So it's not enough just to come in and hear the sermon. It's not enough just to read the words. What God wants you to do is allow the word of God to get into your thinking to start shaping your thought and your mind so that you are moved into the mind of Jesus Christ. He said, let this mind which was in Christ Jesus, Paul said, also be in you. When I study the word and I look at the word and I say, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me? In fact, here's what I do. 
When I do my devotions, I actually put myself into the word and I actually say my name. I'll say my family's name, my kids' name. I'll say people's names and put them in that word and actually see them in the experience of what God wants to do. He says, get inside the word. In other words, let me put it another way. Abide in the word of God. Abide in it. Look what Jesus said, John 8, 31. He says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. No, 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 no. You're not his disciples because you believe, because they already believed. He says, if you abide in my word, then you're really a disciple. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will do what, everybody? Take that word abide and just circle it. Abiding is the crucial step between being a believer and being a disciple of Jesus. We've got lots of believers in America, very few disciples. Because disciples, he said, this marks a disciple, not just someone who shows up to my meeting. He says it's a person that actually abides. And when you abide, it brings maturity. It grows you up in God to be like Jesus Christ. So what do you mean, pastor, abide? So that word abide in the Greek is meno. It's meno. That's what it means, M-E-N-O, meno. And it actually means to stay in a given place or state. It means to remain. It means to dwell. That word abide meant to endure, last, to persevere to wait for. He said, if you want to be a disciple, he says, here, substitute the word abide with those words. Come on, substitute them. He says, if you stay in my word, you're really my disciple. If you remain in my word, you're really my disciple. If you dwell in my word, you're really a disciple. If you endure in my word, if you persevere in my word, you really are my disciple if you wait in my word. Come on, folks, it's not enough to believe. How many are you ready to wait, stay, remain, dwell, persevere in the word of God? That's when you really become a believer that stays on the highway of his blessing. Stay in it. Don't quit. You fall, get back up. Stay in it. You mess up, get back going again. Don't let the spirit of condemnation, well, I couldn't do it. Devil said, you're a big hypocrite. No, get back in there and get on the highway. Stay in it, abide in it, dwell in it, and watch the nature of Jesus take over your life. Here's the last one. You ready for it? Stay saturated in the water. Oh, saturated in the water. Look at verse three. That person, he or she, will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of waters, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves does not weather, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Are you seeing this? He's saying if you want to stay on this highway, you got to be planted. Stay in that water. How many know what the water was a symbol of? The power of the Holy Spirit. It's where crocuses grew in the middle of the desert, in the middle of all the, the fear and the anxiety. He said that river begins to flow and you actually flourish in the presence of your enemies. In the middle of the hardship. But how do I do it? Number one, sow yourself. We talk about giving, but have you given yourself? Get planted and let roots begin to grow. Look at Psalm 32, 13, uh, 92, 13. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of God. Oh my goodness. You know I think some people don't ever grow is because they keep moving the plant every two weeks. I don't like the tree here, don't like the tree here, don't like the tree here, move it, move it, move it, move it, it's finally dead. 
Stop moving around. Get committed. Abide. Endure the storms. Endure the trials. I'm going to encourage some of you that, that may be going from church to church, and I understand when the Holy Spirit genuinely leads you. I get that part. But there's some of us that have this restless spirit. I'm going to encourage you. Give Grand Rapids first. A whole year of your life. Come every Sunday. Come to thrive. And watch God just grow you and watch the roots go down. Sow yourself. Give yourself. Plant it. Give it away. Give it away. And don't just sow but soak yourself. Go jump in the water. Go swimming. It says he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Just, come on, just like trees need water for life, for growth, your soul needs the living water, Jesus Christ. He said he's the living water. He's the living water. You know, do you know I came across something when I was studying the scripture, this, uh, this, study, this uh, message. Did you know that 75% of Americans, probably 75% of the people in this room right now are chronically dehydrated? And they don't even know it. Lack of water, listen to this. Lack of water is the number one trigger to daytime fatigue. So I'm watching some of y'all. Do you for a second think I'm gonna blame my message? You're dehydrated. You bored? You're dehydrated. It's the number one trigger to daytime fatigue. If you would just drink some water, do you know you'd wake up? Get this, researchers indicate that eight to 10 glasses of water a day would significantly ease back and joint pain for up to 80% of sufferers. But 75% of Americans are dehydrated. 37% of Americans, their thirst mechanism is so weak, they often mistake it for hunger. Your stomach's ground say, I got to get the Taco Bell. You can't even get the message because your Taco Bell is going off. You know what might be the real issue? You're dehydrated. So could it be the reason why I meet so many fatigued Christians? And I understand weariness and tiredness. I get that. I get it. I get it. I get it. Leading, walking through things. I get it. I understand fatigue. And I also understand that the world is run by tired people. I get it. But could it be that the fatigue you're feeling in your marriage, the fatigue you're feeling with church, the fatigue you're feeling with walking for God, what really has happened is you've been spiritually dehydrated and you've walked away, you're standing and you're sitting somewhere else and it's far away from the living water, the source of his word and who he is. Could it be? Could it be that those body aches, 80% of people, their back and joint pains could stop if they just hydrate? Could it be that all the time you get offended in your marriage or offended at church and you get offended at this church and this church and this small group and this small group and everybody offends you and my parents, I hate my parents, I hate everybody, I hate my mom, I hate my dad, I hate my kids, I hate my dog. You hate your dog. He's the only one that can't talk back to you and you still hate him. 
Could it be that so many Christians get so offended so easy because you haven't been by his word? Great peace have they that love thy law, the Bible says, and nothing shall offend them. And so now we find ourselves always having to be a victim because it's the only way we can get attention. Always got to be a victim. Always got to be in a crisis. Could it be that really what it is is you have not been by that river of living water? I don't understand why I'm so attracted to this person that's, and they're doing some of the most ungodly. Pastor, I just can't stay away from this kind of movie. I just can't stay away from this type of, I just, I just, can't, I don't know why I can't. Why do I keep reaching out to this one? Why, why does it seem like everybody out there that's an unbeliever seems more happy than me? Could it be you're mistaking your spiritual thirst that that hunger for that stuff is really your lack of living water in your own life? So here's what I can tell you. Just go get soaked. I know, I know it's November, but go jump in the pool. Go take a polar dive right now and get in the pool. Get soaked in the water. Come on, when the word is going, get that app out and start taking those. I gotta go back and read this. I'm gonna listen to this message again. I'm gonna watch this again. I'm gonna hear what pastor said. God's speaking to me and somehow, whenever you get around fellowship and you're hanging out with your friends, Go ahead and go to Taco Bell after this and go laugh with your friends because guess what it is? It's refreshing. It's the water of fellowship, the laughter, the humor, the time together. Get in your small group. That's why I say everybody ought to get in a small group and start having that fellowship. When we're sitting here worship, don't sit here and worship and go. Worship God. Stop enduring worship and start enjoying worship. Enjoy it. Start praying. Start praying. Start worshiping God. Start serving. Go become a hero. Go sign up and be a hero. Go serve somebody. Give it away. It's already paid for and taken care of, so it won't cost you a dime, so you can't complain about that. Go be a hero. Give somebody. Serve. Serve in the church. Be a greeter. Be a sign holder. Be someone smiles. Just do something. Serve. Watch that river of life. Learn to give. Just let the river of water just come flowing out of you. Because every time I worship, every time I get with Him, every time I pray, every time I sing, I'm filling up that water tank and I'm taking a fresh dip because I'm turning away from the world and I'm turning toward God and I stand on the highway of His favor, His blessing, His holiness, and He makes me pure, not because of me, but because of Him. Oh, how me alike the new highway, the highway of holiness, the highway of favor and blessing.